Welcome to Infinite Earth Radio. We believe that in a world of finite natural resources, a smart and sustainable future is only possible by lifting up people and unleashing unlimited human potential. Infinite Earth Radio will not only help you learn from bright visionary civic leaders who are building smarter, more inclusive and sustainable communities, but you'll discover how you can bring these ideas to your community. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Hancocks and Vernice Miller-Travis. Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio, where we talk with thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable businesses and communities. This is your host, Mike Hancox, and today we continue our series of podcasts on urban resilience in partnership with our friends at Island Press. Island Press is the world's leading publisher of books on the environment, and if you want to learn more about Island Press or their Urban Resilience Project, go to www.islandpress.org backslash capital U, capital R, capital P. Our topic today is open spaces, sacred spaces, and we are lucky to have as our guest Fred Smith, director of the Stringfellow Health Fund Grants at the Community Foundation of Northeast Alabama. Fred, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. Glad to be here. So, Fred, last fall, the Community Foundation of Northeast Alabama announced grant funds for the creation of 18 urban green spaces or open spaces, sacred spaces, stating that these spaces represent a modern interpretation of what it means to foster the health of a community. Fred, maybe we can start by explaining to our audience what open spaces, sacred spaces are. Well, open spaces, sacred places, if you look at it based on the word words or the wording that's in its description. The word sacred means to be set apart. So it is uh, set apart public outdoor urban green spaces that are designed with a purpose to provide healing and remembrance, peace and reconciliation. Some spaces are designed to uh, promote rest and respite stress reduction, also reflection, meditation, and really to give participants of the spaces an opportunity to have a positive response to the natural world around them. And so these spaces are very, very vital, and uh, we're very privileged to have the opportunity to partner with our counties in the development of these spaces. What would distinguish a sacred open space from say, any other open space or park? Are there certain characteristics that uh, make it more reflective or, or, or more of a contemplative place? Yes, I think it's the intentionality of the creation of the space. And um, if you look back for us, we intentionally created this space with a specific purpose in mind. Our organization, the Community Foundation of Northeast Alabama, in 2020, we'll be celebrating the 100th year legacy of its initial donor, Miss Susie Parker Stringfellow, who in 1920 created her will and estate and left it for the community. And the purpose was at that point to create a sanatorium, a, a hospital that can treat tuberculosis patients, which was the a prevalent illness at that time. That then grew and uh, her estate grew. And in 1999, 
what we know to be the Calhoun County Community Foundation was established. And, and during this time, she had now, of course, passed on, but her gift had not only translated into the creation of the Calhoun County Community Foundation, but also the Stringfellow Memorial Hospital. So her legacy continued to grow and the gift continued to grow. And in 2010, the Community Foundation of Northeast Alabama was established, and that's the name that we carry today. From 1999 to 2010, we moved from serving one county to nine total counties. So what happened is we were looking for a way to actually celebrate her legacy in 2020. And so we had the ideas of doing, you know, just like an initial and really a simplistic, but yet more traditional uh, way of celebration with a one day celebration in each county. And so the book, Open Spaces, Sacred Places, was mailed out by the TKF Foundation, whose founders and co-founders is Tom and Kitty Stoner, to all the community foundations in the United States. One landed on the desk of our CEO and president, Jennifer Maddox. And my task was to then lead this particular project once we came to a consensus that this is the direction we would go. We realized that the thing that would allow this space to stand out from every other space, number one, is the intentionality of it. Number two, it gives the creators of each space an opportunity to invite the community in intentionally. Many other spaces exist, but the intentionality of it and the purpose of it of those spaces are different. Uh, some are for athletics, uh, some are walking tracks, some are parks. But uh, open spaces, sacred places are set aside with a purpose in mind. And so when the creator creates it, they have a, a purpose in mind. And so you can see a distinction with the space because each space comes with a bench and a waterproof journal, which then encourages uh, reflection. It encourages rest. It encourages uh, remembrance. It encourages uh, meditation and reflection. That's fantastic, Fred. Thank you for that great explanation. So the these spaces are created, these sacred spaces, you're a health foundation. So the notion is that these spaces help improve community health. Is there any history or background or evidence that these reflective places or spaces provide more of a health benefit than just any other open space? Well, there's a lot of articles and testimonials that exist now, and they're even uh, becoming more and more popular, common, and studied to the benefit of outdoor spaces in general, just actually being outside and uh, using outdoor spaces to improve the health and well-being of people. So with me being the director of the Stringfellow Health Fund grant process, our goal is to focus, we grant grants uh, for community well-being. And so this was so attractive to us. The concept was so attractive to us because it fell right in line with our mission. But then also we knew that it would then provide the community with positive alternatives and positive spaces that will not just last one day, but the spaces can be there for at least 10, 20, and as long, 20 years, and as long as uh, the spaces are kept up and uh, continue to be maintained. So that was exciting to us because there's definitely a health benefit to encouraging people 
to participate with nature, reflect in nature, and benefit from the beauty of nature. You mentioned the the TKF Foundation and and their Nature Sacred program, and um, you know I think that your project seems to take their concept to a to a kind of a, a bigger scale. You're doing this in 18 different places at the same time. So I have a couple. Is the a couple questions related to that? Is the TKF Foundation, other than being the inspiration for your project, are they providing any kind of technical support or assistance on the project? Well, yes, they have been wonderful to work with. When we decided as a foundation that we would pursue this as the way for our, our 2020 celebration and to provide it and provide these grants to our communities, we contacted them and Mary Wyatt, which was the executive director at that time, and they were very, very gracious in sharing the concept with us, very gracious in sharing the idea and the success stories, which gave us uh, great information because we wanted to do was to uh, mirror some of the sites that they had already established in their areas based in the Maryland area. And so um, they came on board and, and kind of, of shared, and that's the only word I can use. They shared the concept with us and they became uh, really encouragers of us as we were going through the process because for us it was a brand new process and we realized that in order for it to have the impact that we wanted it to have, we really used a lot of even the terminologies that they used because we wanted to be a, a true reflection of what an open space sacred place was. And so they are partnering with us through inspiration, through encouragement, but then also they will be providing the benches uh, for each one of the sites, the benches and waterproof journals for each one of the sites. Us as the Community Foundation, we are granting $10,000 to each one of our sites, and there will be a total of 18 so we have a substantial investment in our communities with this process and project. So for our listeners who, who want to learn more about the TKF Foundation and Open Spaces, Sacred Places, they can go to naturesacred.org and you can learn more about the organization there. And you could also pick up a copy of the book that was uh, sent to Fred's office. So Fred, I think this is the first time that anybody's taken this kind of this TKF concept to scale. I mean, they've done a lot of projects around the country, but you're actually tackling 18 projects at the same time. Is there anything that's tying these projects together? Is this seen as a, are they 18 individual projects or is there some kind of network effect of all the projects? Great question, uh, Mike. Well, we have uh, uh, 18 available projects that we will be funding. We have a total of 15 that are currently being funded with the option to do an additional three between now and 2020. Each one of the sites has within itself a great area of creativity, and we actually encouraged uh, each site to allow their site to be a reflection of the county that they're in. And so we have a site in each one of the counties that's in our service area. And uh, in some counties, we actually have two sites. So all of those sites together are a part of our network. And then it's also going to be a part of the national network for the TKF Foundation. And, and they have welcomed our sites to be a part of, of the network that they have done. But we are so pleased that in Northeast Alabama that these sites will be established. These are the first of its kind in our area in Northeast Alabama uh, to this magnitude. 
So having the opportunity to uh, facilitate these sites uh, has been a tremendous blessing. Uh, we found that uh, our communities have been very responsive to what we know to be a brand new concept because our traditional grant process is a bit different in that when we establish the RFP for this and we establish the process for this, we wanted Mike to be as inclusive as possible. And so what we did was we actually suspended a part of our regular requirements that would only allow 501c3 organizations to apply for this grant process. And so we said, you know what, uh, since this is celebrating the legacy of uh, Susie Parker Stringfellow, we want every organization in town or group in each one of the towns that we serve to have an opportunity to apply for this grant. So we have people that are leading sites that are not necessarily 501c3. We have gardening groups that have partnered together. We have churches partnered together. We have HBCU, Historically Black Colleges and Universities, one uh, that's partnering together for their student body. We have a, a wide variety of uh, spaces and organizations. Alabama has a, has a very deep civil rights history, and I'm wondering if any of the projects Reflect that history or, or reflect kind of any truth and reconciliation around racial issues? Is there any, are there any projects that hit on those themes? Yes, one in particular here in our local city, it's called the West Anniston Gateway, and it will be located on West 15th Street, which is a historic district, which at one point was once a thriving commercial and social center for African-Americans. But during a, it went through an era of deep segregation. And so actually a space will be developed there and it's going to be led by the city of Parks and Recreation for the city of Anniston. And the goal is to encourage uh, continued revitalization and the continued development of the neighborhoods that are in the West Anniston area. And the park is a beautiful park. It has a, a mural image on the back of one of the walls. So we're excited. And that groundbreaking will be at the end of August. And so we're excited about how that will look. Fantastic. I and mean, I'm sure that there's probably 18 great projects. And I know that some of them are maybe in the early stages of planning, but are there any other projects that you could highlight for our, our audience to help them understand kind of the breadth and nature of these projects? Yes. Well, we have 15 that are already in motion and have already been granted, and three more will probably be done between now and 2020. But we had two groundbreakings already. And so in the month of July and August, we're so excited about the groundbreaking ceremonies we're going to have in those two months. But the first groundbreaking we had was at a place called CFAT, and the, the full name is Servants in Faith and Technology. They're based in Randolph County. And basically, this is a very interesting organization because it's an organization that prides itself on meeting the basic needs and helping people in third world countries and underdeveloped countries to find sustainable ways and innovative approaches to meet their basic needs. CFAT, they have trained people from around 93 countries. They have over 100 acres of land that they have that's at their uh, location. And so they are establishing a site called Sarah's Garden. And uh, the garden is, is really going to be 
a remembrance garden and a reflective garden and a place where they're going to encourage uh, stress reduction and reflection and meditation and a great response to the natural world. They are very, very, very excited about it. And in the groundbreaking that we had, we had around close to 50 people that came and attended. And the creators were also, the co-founders of CFAT were also a great part of it, and they were very excited. That's one. Uh, we had our second groundbreaking, which was at the Gadsden Public Library. That's also, Mike, a very interesting partnership that we've seen. It is a partnership between the library and a beautiful Rainbow Cafe. Now, this cafe is very interesting because it is a cafe that was established to just uh, focus and create opportunities for intellectually challenged students in the local high school, Etowah County. So, and we, uh, through our String Fellow Health Fund grant process, were a part of their initial uh, startup for this cafe, but there's a tremendous partnership between the cafe and the library. And so we had a groundbreaking for them also this past week. Fantastic. Sound like great, great projects. So, it's uh, 2020 or 2022 or something like that, and all these 18 projects are completed. What do you hope the outcome of this project will be, and, and what do you hope people say about the project once it's complete? Well, we hope that people will see the value of what the space represents. We also hope that people would be able to see what a gift, how a gift given can also produce uh, lasting and permanent change in communities and counties. And then also uh, one of the things that we're very, very impressed with is the response of our communities and how they have rallied together and risen to the challenge to actually make these spaces a reality in their counties, seeing the need for it and continuing to encourage community unity, uh, unity in community, because there is unity in community. So to continue to encourage it, to continue to uh, remove all barriers of uh, separation in our communities and realize that as we establish spaces such as this in our communities, it's a step in the right direction because being inclusive and allowing our communities all to have a place where they can meet, meet each other, speak to each other, and realize that we have more in common than we really realize is a part of it. And one of the things we're also going to have is a marker of Susie Parker Stringfellow for the nine counties that we serve. It will be uh, placed in each one of the sites. And it's a reminder of the legacy since uh, 1999 to now out of the fund that she developed, the String Fellow Health Fund, we have given just over $8 million in grants to our counties. And so for the counties to know the type of investment that's already been made in the counties and the continuation of that investment. So we want other people that will say, well, we didn't know who Susie Parker Stringfellow was. We didn't know who the Community Foundation of Northeast Alabama was, but now we do. And uh, we have a project. We have something that we'd like to be funded. What's the process that I need to go through in order for my project to be funded? Because there are right around 13 community foundations in Alabama. And so the nine counties that we serve, we want to be a great resource for them. Do you see the project uh, as a potential that the project might have a second phase or continue on after the 2020? Well, 2020 will really be the ribbon cutting. 
So we're doing all of the groundbreakings this summer and 2020 will be a ribbon cutting. So our goal is to really keep the sites and the spaces in good condition for at least the next 10 years after 2020 until to 2030. And then at that point, you know, decide if we will do a second phase, but we really want to maximize the sites so that the communities can really see the sites as a resource. So where can people learn more about this project and the work of the Community Foundation of Northeast Alabama? Well, they can go to our website, which is yourcommunityfirst.org, and uh, go under the Grants tab, and then you, you will see Open Spaces, Sacred Places. And we're actually in the process of uploading videos and footage and pictures from all of our groundbreaking. So we actually have some already uploaded from our first two groundbreakings and and we will continue to upload them. So information about us as a foundation, staff information is there. All of the information about the history of the foundation that you would want to know can be found on that website. My contact information is also on that site. Fantastic. And I'll also repeat for folks, the naturesacred.org site is also a a great site for resources on the concept of open spaces, sacred places. So Fred, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you. And it's really valuable work and the people of Alabama are better off for it. And we appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Mike. And thank you all for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time on Infinite Earth Radio. Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the Local Government Commission. To learn more about Skio, Infinite Earth Radio guests, or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at infiniteearthradio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Infinite Earth Radio and Twitter by following at Infinite Earth Radio.